Broadcasting live from hell, this is The Monstrous Feminine, the podcast where horrible women talk about horror. My name's Louisa, and I'm joined by my lambs. Mila, Taya, and Zeba. And this week, we're discussing cults, something we scratched the surface of with Rosemary's Baby, but we'll deep dive into this week. Cults first had a huge boom in the 60s, and we have seen a lot of cult horror films over the past decade. This topic is one we are particularly excited to explore. So we want to talk a bit about cults and their relationship to society, as well as the patriarchal leader archetype often seen. As always, we want to know how cults play with the monstrous feminine, and what elements of this theory can be seen within the films we discuss today. First up, we are discussing Midsummer, Ari Aster's sophomore horror feature film, which was written and directed by Aster and released in 2019. Next, we'll talk about The Other Lamb, which was released in 2019 and was directed by Malgrazada Zumaska. I'm obsessed with cult documentaries, so I yeah, need a little a mid-bullet point list of how cults are defined when governments have to go intervene and they have to say something is a cult versus... This is just a fun new religion. Um, it has to be predatory and like affect people's lives in some way. On that list, the group has to have a living charismatic leader, which I think is an important distinction. The group is preoccupied with bringing in new members, so lots of recruitment, and particularly preys on vulnerable people looking for community and purpose. So people who've left a major religion are a big target. The reason that it was so big in the 60s and 70s was because of the New Age movement. People were looking for community and new religions. The group is usually getting money out of people in some way. So sometimes you have to pay dues to get to the next level or to get close to the leader. You pay them money. No dissent is encouraged. You can't doubt the leader. You can't question anything. You can't try and convince other people in the group to leave. There's some aspect of brainwashing and there's some sort of exploitation, whether that be financial, uh, sexual. They also separate you from your friends, family, community, etc. Yeah, definitely, of course. Listening to you rattle off those points, it just makes me think of the Catholic Church. I thought you loved Catholicism, Mia. I do. It raised me, but the Catholic Church is scary. And the whole Pope, he's a bit of a celebrity, isn't he? Yeah, I don't know how charismatic he is, but... (laughs) I've heard him speak at the Vatican. He does have cool outfits. Yes, no, over Zoom. (laughs) (laughs) All right, all right. Have any of you besides Mila been in a cult? (laughs) (laughs) Or been approached Um... by a cult? No, except, well, I actually don't know, except for the time that I, you guys already know because I was live texting you about it, um, because who else would I text about this incident? But there was that one time I was waiting for the bus stop and there was this woman who low-key looked like Carrie, like her eyes were so wide when she approached me, and she was like, would you be interested in converting to Christianity? And I was like, uh, you know, I'm good, I'm really so good. And she was like... Mm. And then she went and tried to convert my bus driver because the doors opened and then finally I could get on the bus for like 10 minutes. And it was like low key working like she was converting him. And I was just like, I really want to go like I I want to drive. And then that wasn't the culty part, by the way. I'm not trying to say all Christians are part of a cult. Uh, but the culty part was then she got, like, she walked towards me again on this bus. And I'm like, oh, God. And her eyes again were so wide. And she was like. Do you want to come to the revival? 
And I was just like, <laughs> you put like oh. a little bit too much emphasis on the cup. Yeah, you, you really hold it. <laughs> oh my god, you guys are children. <laughs> I was like, where is where, this, this going? <laughs> but that's how she said it. She said, do you want to come to the revival? And I was like, um, stop laughing. Yes, please. Sorry, sorry. Revival, revival. <laughs> Yeah, well, and I, I said no, but it was really scary, and I feel like it was some cultic shit that she was proposing to me. Probably. It happened to me, like, with um, these people who kept asking, like, do you want to go meet the Holy Mother? But it also sounded like they were trying to kill me. It doesn't sound inviting. <laughs> On my college campus. Uh, I'm high-key surprised I haven't joined a cult. Like, I have the mentality where it's like, I believe most things. I believe most things. And sometimes I'm watching what I know is a cult documentary and I'm buying it. Like, it's setting me up to be very afraid of these people. I'm like, mm, they're on to something. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> like, it hasn't happened yet. But, like, I think... You're waiting I'm for the right. I'm very close. I, right. Yeah, I'm one of the. Someone. I'm definitely the demographic of vulnerable and like <laughs> looking for purpose that they're trying to recruit. And I'm so glad there any potential cult recruits or recruiters are gonna like listen to this and be like, yeah. "All right, we know who to target." Listen, I'm open to it. Like all, all it is is that we farm and I'm on a commune and I have no money to take. So like, really, what are you gonna take from me besides my dignity? There's so little of it left. Like, I think <laughs> oh, it, I think it could be fun for a time, and I'll write a book about it or a movie. Yeah. Fantastic. Okay. Now I see the appeal. <laughs> I've been approached by cults twice in my life. Um, twice. Uh, yeah. So apart from my my being within the Catholic cult. Um, when I was in LA, just <laughs> came up to me. And I had just been in the Death Museum. I don't know if you knew there was a Death Museum in LA. Well, there is. And on Hollywood Boulevard, and a guy came up to me in a suit and was like, what part of you would you want to change? Like, what flaws do you just want to get rid of? And I was like, <laughs> no, I was like, no, no flaws. And then he was like, come take an aptitude test. We're just down the street, like come and then we can work together on, you know, how to, how to, how to fix you. And I immediately knew this guy was from I just watched a documentary on it. I also knew that the building was like right down the street and I was like, no, but then he wouldn't leave me alone. Like he walked all the way up with me. And then when he like gestured inside, I was like, come on. I was like, no, no way. But also part of me wanted to try because I was curious, like, you know, you can go into any church and get a free book. Like, you know, you want to just see what the fuss is about. But I was traveling alone and I was 18. And then last year in Seoul, a cult came up to me and my friend. And again, we already knew about like the cult issue in Korea. So when he came up to us and was like, do you want to experience an authentic Korean tea ceremony? And come now, come to the tea room and we'll show you. We were like, it's a no. Goodbye. But what if he just wanted to show you tea? There's I would have fallen for that. I would have gone. Granted, when I was in Korea, like, I had, uh, like, the girls who they would have, and they would, like, add me on calculator Talk and then try to get me, they would start sending, like, weird Bible verses that had Jehovah a bunch of time. And then um, they would invite me to go to, like, Baskin Robbins or something and then, like, pull out a Bible and be like, it's time and that happened like <laughs> twice and it was because i was like eagerly trying to find a language partner but i was like i don't know if they're jehovah's witnesses or if they're nicole i really can't tell 
I feel like I had I had one person come up to me outside of Kings and they were like for my undergrad and they were like, uh, would you like to take part in a Japanese love survey? And I was like, Okay. Again, then, I would have done it, it. It was like it was so weird because they were just like like it wasn't I didn't mean to say okay. It's just that I had a problem where I couldn't say no. So I was just like, Okay. And um and then it was just so like in depth. They were like how confident are you that you'll find true love? And I was just like, uh, you want like a scale of one to ten? <laughs> Louisa, like, why do your whole day? experience sound like people are propositioning you for sexual favor? Wait, Louisa, I'm how assuming... confident are you? What number did you give them? Uh, well, I didn't want to be like, I didn't, I was actually feeling pretty low confident, but I didn't want to be like two. So I was just like, about a seven. But really, honestly, it's probably, I average probably at out of four. <laughs> I don't know. It depends on the day. If you catch me when I'm, like, talking to someone in my ne- in my next situationship, I'll be like, I'm a ten. I'm going to find true love. Yeah, yeah. Why was it a Japanese love survey? Were they I Japanese? I don't know what was Japanese about it. Oh. No, they weren't. I don't think. I don't remember. I've kind of blocked it out. It was really, like. <laughs> it was like, traumatic. Yeah. <laughs> it was so <laughs> awkward. Japan has a loneliness problem. Like their marriage yeah. rates are super low. Maybe they've developed a some system. sort of special system. Yeah. But why are they coming up to me, who's obviously not Japanese, in London? They because London it. is also okay. lonely. London's also a lonely place. If we're being honest, that's true. Mm-hmm. You know what? Facts. <laughs> Unless you like really want to be with the lad. Lads really are a lot for me. When I first when I first moved to London and I was like lonely and I was like using dating apps, I was like, I don't think me and British guys gel. <laughs> I think this is it. Well, you know what? I think Lad Bible could classify as a cult. Oh my god! Sure. Excuse me, the what? Wait, you the Lad Bible, the Facebook account. You know, like the Lad Bible memes. No, I'm not on Facebook. It's not. I think it's like Instagram or just social media in general. It's lad bible and they post like stupid memes and yeah oh my god it's huge now it's sort of like a buzzfeed type i'm gonna look it up is lad bible one word or two oh i found it (laughs) these memes aren't even funny no no they're super generic i'm upset lads are like very basic so they like probably laugh when they go to the pub and then they spill some alcohol and they're like I I can't be looking at the right account because this is aggressively not funny. Oli 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 oi oi oi. So, in case you guys haven't heard, the Monstrous Feminine is on Apple Podcasts. So go rate us five stars and then leave us a lovely review. And if you do, we'll give you a shout out. So our witch of the week this week is whimsical witch, who says, "I love these podcasts." The Coven provide a real insight into the horror genre and feminism against the backdrop of the horror of 2020. These young ladies are intelligent, real, fun, and innovative. Well-researched, cohesive, and eye-opening. Give it a whirl. Thank you, Whimsical Witch. Thanks, love. Thanks. Enjoy. (laughs) If you really enjoy this podcast, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts app because um, we'll see it and we'll give you a shout out. And yeah, I mean, it's all well and good sliding in our DMs. I mean, we love it, but leave us a review too. We need open validation. We need public validation. We need public validation. We're not just your side chick podcast. We are your main hoe. So please. Commit to us.
In the 2019 film Midsummer, Danny loses her family in a tragic murder-suicide and takes off on a midsummer trip with her boyfriend, Christian, and his friends. Prior to finding out about her family's deaths, Christian planned to break up with Danny. His friends also have a strained relationship with Danny and often call her needy and in need of a therapist. The film explores the slow burnout of her relationship and dealing with grief and sadness while the couple and their friends are celebrating Midsummer with the Harga people. I'm excited to discuss this film as it is one of my personal favorites. We need to leave. Can you not see what's going on here? This level of tradition? No one's seen this, no one's written anything on it, and they've invited us to be a part of it. Why Can't you, you see what a privilege why that is? Us? Because Pella did. Why did Pella? Because he trusts us. Why would they trust us? You're opportunistic anthropology students. Maybe because we're anthropology students, oh maybe they God. want someone to document Are you this. Fucking blind? They're doing pagan rituals people are jumping off cliffs they depend on no one knowing about this ever so what do you guys think about danny and christian as characters and their relationship since we kind of start off the movie seeing that they're in a really tough place there was that interview that you had talked about taya way long ago when we were first starting the podcast and like talking about what movies we wanted to cover where the director said it's not a horror movie it's a breakup movie and that has stuck with me, and I've seen the movie twice since you told me that, and I've watched it on, like with that in mind. And the way that Christian speaks to that girl is so triggering, because like if you've been in a relationship with a man, that is how gaslighting works. Like that is how speaking to a man works. That is how they talk to you when they're being confronted. Like she'll present a perfectly reasonable something or other like hey why why didn't you tell me sooner that you were going on a trip and he'll just completely turn it on her and be like oh well if you were going to china blah 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 i wouldn't i'm like and then and then she apologizes it's the apologizing after it's that she feels like she's the bad guy or that she takes on the feelings of his friends of like oh they think i'm needy i must be needy they think i'm x y and z i must be crazy i must be a horrible girlfriend like she takes on all of the baggage that he should be working out with his therapist and it is completely infuriating to watch and untangle but super super i found accurate actually you know what i'm gonna say one thing when you casually gift me an impromptu bouquet of flowers that just makes what me flowers? think, how and when am I supposed to pay that back? Everything you give me is a reminder that I'm not doing enough for you in this relationship. What, at lunch? I picked those on a whim. Oh, don't try to tell me that you had no ulterior motive. Yeah, what, on what your birthday, do I have? The day after I didn't get you something? Are you being serious? Okay, fine. Play the wounded party again. You're just a self-denying altruist and I'm a paranoid dick. You don't have a conniving bone in your body. What is it you imagine I'm conniving? You are, Danny. I remember like this film critic that I follow on Twitter. I think his name is David Ehrlich. And he said that he recommends watching this movie with your least favorite ex of all time all the way through. <laughs> then like looking at them to see their reaction at the end. And I was like, Whoa, and I just like yeah. ended like a situation so so or relationship, like, right when I saw that the first time, and I was like, 10 out of 10. Yes. <laughs> I have an unpopular opinion, then. I, I'm going to be the, the dickhead of this episode. 
I I low key don't think Christian's that bad. Hear me out. <laughs> Hear me out. I mean, I agree with what you're saying. Like, the beginning of the movie, it's just typical dickhead guy stuff, which I don't mean to excuse. Like, no. I just mean, like, as the movie develops, um, I don't think he's, like, a clear-cut villain-type character. I would hard argue that he is drugged and raped at the end. Like, I don't think that her interpretation of, oh my god, he just was unfaithful to me, was at all correct. I was like... I think he was given a hallucinogenic or whatever the fuck and then uh, assaulted. So I don't know. And I I read this interview um, where Ari Aster says something like, you're meant to be able to sympathize sympathize with both sides of the, the relationship. And even Christian, you're meant to sympathize with staying in something longer even though you're not feeling it. And I quote, he, he said, when I say he's a villain, there's a smirk there. So it's not like he's entirely awful. <laughs> I don't know. So what do you guys think about that? Yeah, I agree. Like, obviously what Zabe said about his gaslighting behavior, I think that's not so much meant to, like, be his hallmark as a villain so much as maybe it's just a commentary on, like, how a lot of, let's say mostly men, act within relationships, especially when their partner needs a lot of emotional support especially in like a circumstance of murder suicide like that's pretty heavy shit um so maybe it's more like that's just a some groundwork for their relationship but you're right like the way the movie develops it it becomes less and less clear-cut so I don't know I mean yeah I didn't have a strong feeling against him but also wasn't a fan the only part that I kind of see your point in about Christian is like I do think maybe Danny did offload all of her problems onto him all of the time and that in itself can be very draining because she wasn't like dealing with like oh I'm like having a bad day at school it was like she was dealing with the really hardcore stuff that to be honest she probably should have seek professional help for especially because she was like having to take time out of school and unable to complete her assignments and all she could do was just sit around and cry and so I think that in a way maybe was slightly unfair to him because your partner can't just offload onto you all of their problems all of the time especially without her like ever asking if it was okay to tell him tell him all of her problems at any given moment or expecting him to always pick up the phone and listen to her cry or something I do see how that can be draining but he was overall just a really shitty boyfriend and like he couldn't even remember how long they had been together I, I see that. Like, I think that's kind of what, where I'm coming from. Because I was like, if you've been in a situation, not even a relationship, but, like, just had someone in your life who, like, offloads all of their heavy stuff to you all the time, it's, like, hard to maintain a level of investment 24-7, like you just said. So I think I kind of – maybe I'm projecting when I'm watching this because I'm like, ooh, low-key, where are the boundaries, though? Because there do need to be some. Like, obviously, he's not very sympathetic at all towards her which he should be because literally her family died in such a horrific way but I agree I I think like professional help is needed and I kind of understood what the friends were coming from like they're going about it in a very immature way but when they say like why is she calling you like yes it's expected that she'd call him but I get what they're saying and like it's established that she must do this all the time there's a pattern behavior and I can see okay yeah maybe there's a lack of boundaries here and she needs more support with her mental health, uh, which come outside of Christian as well. They both need therapy. Yeah, they both. They should go to counseling. <laughs> and point. Counseling. Yeah. 
I mean, but he seemed to have, like, a very solid circle of friends, and she did not. Like, we don't see that she has any other friends besides his friends, so I thought that was interesting. But also, after the murder, like, before the murder-suicide, sure, she calls too often. After, Mm. he was still treating her problems as if they were, like, just annoyances or just, like, her personal problems or things that she made up in her head. Like, he still treated her as if she was overreacting. And she, Homegirl was holding back. She wasn't reacting at all. Like, beyond the night that her family died, after that, she, like, she didn't cry in front of him. She didn't, like, she, she went to the airplane bathroom to go cry. Like, she was really... like holding it in because i think she anticipated that this is like too much for him yeah and that's not right but i still think like yeah a combination of more emotional support from him and professional i kind of wonder like what her relationship with her friends is like because she does have like that one phone call with like one of her girlfriends and she's like yeah i know i'm too emotionally dependent on him and it's too hard for our relationship but like we don't really ever hear her talk about her friends again and then obviously her family's died so like she didn't talk about them but I think like when we start the movie we already know that Danny is in some sort of depression and the way that when we're in Sweden and with the Harka people it's always daylight and then when we're with Danny and Christian in the beginning it's just dark it's kind of like I feel like I don't know if you guys have seen the movie Melancholia hope I pronounced that right, but, like, where they use yeah. the color scheme of the movies to express that there's no sort of time, like, when you're depression and you can't really remember what day it is or what time of day it is. It's just everything just blends together in, like, this endless loop of sadness. And I think we see that when she's in Sweden with the Harga people where it's always daytime, but she's not necessarily, like, happy like it's daytime she just doesn't seem to have any real temporal sense of what's going on and then like in the beginning of the movie where she's with christian and it's just gray and dark it's just yeah i feel like we just get a sense that she's always in a depression for me horror movies that happen in the broad daylight are always the scariest none of the gore is hidden it's not there's no jump scares there's no like you see something out of the corner of your eye or in the background like the fact that it was always bright 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 daylight and as things devolve like everything just happens like right in front of you nothing is hidden i find that type of horror to be the most unsettling yeah when this movie came out i remember that being like a main talking point was Especially, like, because Hereditary was so, like, darkly lit and gloomy and and also very enclosed within the house. With Midsummer, it was all open, it was beautiful, it was brightly lit, almost sort of, yeah, like a fantasy dreamlike. And you're right, it makes it so much more unsettling and scary. Well, actually, no, Hereditary was more scary for me. But yeah. Midsummer had a different kind of like effect. It's disturbing more so than it is scary, I think. Mm, um, yeah, yeah. That's uh, right. But I, Aster said that he wanted it to have, he kind of described it as a fairy tale in an interview for Vox and mentioned he spoke of its Disney flourish. So I guess it's kind of, I agree, kind of more horrible because it's a sort of aesthetic that you wouldn't expect to be made into that genre. And then he does it. It is giving, like, Grimm's fairy tales, for sure. Yeah. Mm, for sure. Yeah. 
Does anyone else find it like very interesting that his last name is Aster, which is like a type of flower? And there's so much use of like flower and return to nature theme in the movie. I don't think that was intentional, but just like watching the movie and seeing all the flowers with his last name being Aster was just so like funny to me. What well, is an Aster flower? What does it look like? I think it's purple. It's nice. <laughs> Like, what I was just saying about the flowers is, like, the return to nature theme, where we see, like, Danny at the beginning, when they first arrive at the Harka people, she, like, sees the grass growing out of her hand when she's high on hallucinogens, and there's so much connection to nature with the Harka people, and, like, the cycle of harvest, and then at the end, she's, like, completely surrendered to nature, and she's covered in flowers, and she's united with the Harga people as part of their community. My friend who I was watching it with knows runes and, like, does rune magic and was reading all the runes. There's so many, like, if you're actually looking for them that are on all the buildings and all and embroidered on their clothes and just, like, all over the place. And the ones that came up the most were fertility, but specifically, like, male fertility. Awakenings. There's actually a rune for bad trip, which I think is so wild because they ha- she has that bad shrooms trip early in the beginning. And then the one above the the yellow uh, triangular building that gets burned down in the end, it says an occult, an awakening and an occult journey. I don't know. I don't know who did the rune research for this, but the male fertility one comes up a lot, especially like definitely in the building where um, Christian gets drugged and raped. But like it was it was all over the and also the the shape of the table that they sit at. The first time it was in a harvest rune, and then the second time, the final, or like the times afterwards, those had to, like, were the rune for occult or magic. Going with, like, them eating at the um, tables, there was the scenes where Christian was obviously eating pubic hairs and period blood, which, honestly, as I was watching that, I was like, no one looked at his cup and thought, why does he have pink lemonade and we all have lemonade? I'd be like strawberries. Yeah, I totally wouldn't say that. It obviously did not taste like strawberry lemonade. (laughs) You know what? It tastes like pennies. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. What cracks me up about that, about that spell is like literally upon arrival, there's a whole painting about it. Like, like Mm. we're slow panned across it. Maybe it's only noticeable because we're we're being led to watch it or you're watching it a second time but like it see it was a very clear yeah. painting it was literally like homegirl clipping her pubic hairs putting it in food like it was not obscure at all <laughs> where i grew up in the south i actually had already heard this thing from my grandma because she would always say like if you get married don't let your husband eat spaghetti from other women because i've like, heard that too lived in my neighborhood and she would always like brag about how like that's how she got her husband she like made him spaghetti with her period blood in it have any no, of you also heard i've heard that, that too no i've definitely heard about that i've also heard if you have period sex with somebody you'll dream about them forever oh, that actually no. sounds romantic <laughs> <laughs> that's, I don't want does that. it <laughs> the spell though like all of the things that she put into it i was watching that I'm like that would work that feels like a real spell like that would high key work and you're just putting that information out there at the sundance film festival i mean to be <laughs> fair like the, my grandma's neighbor who like did said she made her husband that spaghetti he was like very hooked on her i definitely would not be feeding people my period of blood that feels very morally corrupt <laughs> yeah, <I'm> just, <laughs> unhygienic <laughs> 
There was a lot of Yannick imagery through the whole of it, too. All the buildings were so vaginal shaped they were all vulvic like, like, there was vulvic no it's yonic is the it's word there were, hella, there were hella vulvas the water. everywhere <laughs> <Play me. laughs> that wap water is really f- fantastic that wap water amazing <laughs> i love it vulvic should okay. be a thing because it's funny there we they go should, they should be sponsoring us yeah sponsor us menstrual blood is like peak abject horror because the man is like consuming the most unsavory parts of a woman there's something very cyclical about the idea of ingesting menstrual blood it's like you're if we, we think about menstrual blood as the source of life if you eat it or you drink it i don't know there's something weird about you that you think it's like an elixir like long no, no. I mean, breast milk is like an elixir, actually. No, but that makes sense. There's a black yeah. market for ble- breast milk. Oh, really? Like, <laughs> blessed. Ble- blessed. It is blessed milk. It oh, clears God. your skin, apparently. It like, does. It can clear oh, baby I've rashes. Um, if you if you put it, it on your skin or if you drink it? If you put it on your skin, yeah. If you put it, I was thinking external application, but like, yeah, it's just very nutritious, full of like you know people sell like breast milk soap and like apparently like if you have any sort of like eczema rashes it's perfect my doctor actually used to do that but that's the intended purpose of breast milk it's meant to like be nourishing and healing but Mm. menstrual blood is a waste waste wasted (laughs) egg so like if you do you not see like the sort of it I, i can't pinpoint why it's particularly strange i know it's strange outside of that but patriarchal point here is like isn't it interesting like in this movie all of us are like super disgusted about the consumption of period blood and it's like a part of the abject but also like people consume sperm all the time all the time not i not i <laughs> Do you <think> so? <laughs> <laughs> but it's not the same people don't view it in the same way and it's also still like a byproduct that has unused for fertile yeah, things yeah. oh in no right. what if what if consuming it is is oh no <laughs> what <laughs> what realization did you just I, I can't i can't even know what she Save means we've all been gonna... like in a love spell on men because we've been drinking their sperm <laughs> <laughs> oh my god that that actually would make sense why women are so hooked on like these mediocre trash guys they've been fucking... you know actually now i'm afraid <laughs> that actually does add up a strong argument to not swallow, oh my God. ladies. Strong argument. Oh my God. This is a very matriarchal cult, which you wouldn't really expect, given us the fact that all of our like cult archetypes are, or all of our historical examples of cults are pretty much always male. Male but the leaders. members aren't men. Well, the leaders are men, but the members aren't necessarily Yeah, yeah, sorry. Men. That's yeah. what I meant. As in, it's always patriarchal, and this is a very almost matriarchal example of it with the May Queen and... Yeah, and they have that old lady who's, like, always announcing their stuff who I don't know her name. But, like, she's the one who welcomes them to the festival and does the cheers, and the guy's just, like, standing behind her the entire time. Yeah. So I get the sense that it's more, like, female-oriented, and the men are more, like... Female-led, yeah. They are to, they are to give more babies. Because they're such a small community, and, like, the incest problem is a problem. That's why they have to bring in new members. 
if they only have children say through the method where they got like drugged Christian, like she has to get pregnant that time. They, they don't get another shot at it. So to me that says like fertility is super important. There's fertility runes everywhere. Like menstruation must be super important because they get like one shot to make a new member. Like they have very little opportunity to like be giving birth yeah. to new members. I guess that's why all of them were like there behind him, like pushing his butt in and chanting. Yeah. Do you think this emphasis on fertility and this matriarchal element as a result of that means that or influences why Ariaster would want us to see it as more of a family or community? Like what I'm guessing getting at here is why is like a patriarchal example of a cult, like definitely a cult? You know, whereas with this one, it's like blurring the lines. Obviously, it's going a lot of like, it's kind of blurring the lines between ritual and tradition as well, which I don't want to like be disrespectful to like other communities and stuff like that. But like, I just kind of wonder, like, is this emphasis on family with which comes through like the mother and like a figure of a mother? Is that kind of influencing why we might not see it as a cult necessarily? Um, I think, like, one of the things that really makes it different from the movie that we'll discuss later is, like, the difference between this one being matriarchal is there's not one person who's making everything revolve around them in the way that a cult does. Mm -hmm. It's, like, the community does stuff collectively to better each other and to, like, as that guy said, Peleg or something, Pele, I don't remember what his name was, he was asking Danny if she felt held by Christian. It's, like, they support each other and they hold each other. But there's not one person who's making everyone do stuff for the benefit of themselves. It's like everyone does things for the benefit of society. Even like the old people deciding like when they finish life. So they're not not a burden on other people. Everything is like for the collective and not just for the one person. So my hottest take of the hour is going to be that Midsummer is not a cult movie. Because it doesn't because it doesn't hit enough of the core points that define a cult. So it doesn't have a charismatic leader. The, the, the fact that people feel so supported is actually something a lot of cult members say. That's like why they stayed is because they felt that family element. So that to me does, you know, sort of cross that line. There is a lot of gaslighting of the new and like people who are brought in. Like they're straight up lied to when they say, oh, oh, that person went to the train station or oh, that, you know, they were killing people and they are lying about that. And it does prey on people's vulnerabilities. It preys on Danny's vulnerability. I think that's why she was the May Queen, because she was in such a horrible, vulnerable position. But that point of the cultural relativism to me is super important. And they and they do talk about it from like an anthropological sense. To me, this is not a cult. It is just a religion that's different from other religions, where which is where the like lines get blurred for me because like if they if they were not killing outsiders if it was only voluntary like death of people who are in their 70s I would say there's actually nothing immoral going on here they aren't stealing people's money they aren't they aren't lying to their members the members know what's going on they're not being gaslit into believing like if they weren't committing murder But but like the nature of a but cult I get what you're is, saying. is no, like that they, they murder their own members or that they are lying yeah. to their own members. If everyone's in on it and they aren't being misled by a charismatic leader, to me it's not a cult. It's just a religion that you find different. In the original script, I'm not sure if it made it into the movie because I don't remember this point, but 
Pele. He asks Danny her birthday and she tells him that it's July 7th. And then that's when he says like, oh, it's really important that you come then. And so I went and like did a deep dive and tried to find the significance of that date. But I truly do not know what would be the significance because it seems like most midsummer festivals take place in June and not July. So I'm not really sure what the significance of that date is. But it just seems like they always wanted Danny to be the one. And that everyone else was already going to die. Um, like, even when she gets there, like, the people are nicer to her. And they, like, say, like, oh, we're glad you're here. So I'm not sure if they knew. Maybe he told them her family died. And that's why she was the chosen one. Because she had absolutely no one. And Christian also was a shitty boyfriend and didn't care about her. And everyone else had someone to go back to. But she was someone that they could just support. And she would come in. I saw, um, I think it was, like, a Reddit theory or something like that, but Pele actually killed her parents. What? Her sister definitely killed her parents, though. Or, like, something was, like, set up and it was all a conspiracy, like, all orchestrated from the beginning. I had seen that deep dive where people said that they felt like the Harga people actually did kill her family because they wanted her the whole time. But, but I thought that didn't quite make sense. Because, but her sister was, like, frantically calling and saying that she was going to kill her and the parents. Yeah, but her sister might have had just mental health issues. But, it, it, okay, the thing that made me think that it wasn't necessarily um, a suicide, um, homicide thing, or murder-suicide, was the fact that sh- the way when they show that final shot of her dead, it's like she's taped it over her mouth and she just looks very shocked. And it's like, why would she... I mean, she just taped it to her. I th- I feel like there would have been easier ways if you're going to do it yourself. Like, you'd lock yourself in the car in the garage and then sort of, you know, you wouldn't have to tape it to your mouth. I don't. I didn't really get that. It looked kind of forced to me. Um, which Maybe is why that's I just kinda... for the shock factor. Like it would look visually quite disturbing. Maybe I don't know. I, it just it seemed plausible that someone else outside could have done it. Is what I was getting at. Yeah, but I feel like if that was the case, it would have been like a really nice finish scene to see her with the Harga people, but then see the police or something trying to contact her and let they know, let her know that they changed it to a murder investigation. Oh, that would, that would have been, have been a great ending. And there's no one to pick up the phone because all of his friends are dead and she's going to stay there. She'll never know. Then I I think at that point we would really would have got like, this is a cult. They did something very manipulative to get her here. But like, I'm kind of with Zayba. If they weren't killing people, it wouldn't necessarily be like they were terrible people. No, I agree. I think it's, it's, if it's all voluntary consensual and like (laughs) they weren't like recruited like Danny was and like gaslit, then it wouldn't be that bad but the ones who were already there and were like born there and just raised in the it doesn't seem like i guess it depends like our final assessment on that would have to depend on like what happens if someone actually wants to leave who was born there because if they don't let them then it's like verging on cult right josh dying for me was the worst because i have like when people get hit on the head and then they moan for me, that's so like visceral, and I I can't stand it. Like when the people jump off the cliff, go at it. But getting hit on the head. But they're still alive. No, no, they were still alive, and then they were moaning yeah, on the ground yeah. too, and had to get sledgehammered. Yeah, but I don't know why. But them moaning because like him moaning because his leg was like in two. I was I can deal with, but the idea of being hit on the head for me is too much. <laughs> what? I would rather yeah. be hit on the head in a surprise attack than have to look at the length of the fall that I'm about to 
dive yeah, yeah, yeah. plummet to. I mean, honestly, horrible. like, the diving off of a cliff is such a, like, not well thought out way of suicide. <laughs> For them to have, like, all of these, like, spells to do stuff, why don't they just make a potion where they go to sleep and don't wake up? That seems like a lot less painful. I think it's very symbolic. It's for the drama. You're sacrificing for the drop yourself. Make it drop. Uh, <laughs> for the drop. I don't know. It seems like... <laughs> and they're like, oh, this happens all the time. Here's our hammer where we bash their brains in so they don't <laughs> stay alive. And I was like... <laughs> yeah, yeah. How do you guys feel about the ending of the movie? And do you feel Danny was justified in choosing Christian? Or should she have um, left the cult with him despite everything that happened? I don't know that I would have chosen to sacrifice my ex in these circumstances just because like I don't think I would even want to be linked to their death I think I would just want to be done a clean done without ever having to think back and be like I chose to sacrifice him wasn't she also kind of drugged I feel like any of her choices they weren't really grounded in reality but I argue that this movie is also gently like a return to nature also a descent into madness because, like, throughout the movie, Danny goes from questioning everything that she sees them do, like, the sacrifice of the old people, the food, just being there, like, she's not able to go to sleep, until she basically starts to accept it and does not question any of the strange shit that happens. And then at the end, that final line that I've tried to quote in a thousand episodes, <laughs> a smile finally breaks on- onto Danny's face. She has surrendered to a joy known only to the insane. She has lost herself completely. She is finally free. It is horrible. It is beautiful. I think by the end of the movie, Danny is completely insane. Mm. I don't think the harder people are necessarily outside of them committing murder and possibly being racist. I don't think they're necessarily innately bad, but I don't think they are sane in the way that regular society would define sanity. (laughs) Um, Mm, Yeah. I think so much of like their society is like, around the collective and making sure this collective is well, that they don't have individual consequences for the actual actions or like a real moral standard. Mm. As long as it's benefiting the group, it doesn't matter if it's murder, if it's rape, if it's drugging people, it doesn't matter as long as it benefits the group. And it seems like by the end, Danny has basically went to that moral code and she's like, if I kill Christian, I have no link to my other life. I'm here, is chill, and she doesn't care. You know when she starts crying and then the women surround her and they're all crying together? Which I would say, by the way, is like probably the scene that most affected me. I feel like in that moment, there's like a pre-descent into, okay, if we say madness in the way you define it, it's like a sort of, she succumbs to the cult. There's something in that moment where she kind of then becomes them. And maybe in that same way that we talked about in the beginning, when Zabel was Mm. listing all of the like cult characteristics where they completely like fulfill all her needs, where they're like crying with her, they see her, they sort of are her. Mm. And maybe that's what the end is as well, is that she's like, feels, I don't know, like finally she's accepted or 
like top when down. you said the thing about all of her needs are met it makes me think of like when we were talking about how people the reason why you like love the womb and love being a baby is because all of your needs are met and you're like in this warm place and you're held and there's nothing that can hurt you and it's like the harker people are almost like a womb for her and it's like this return to like a very fragile state where she lets them make her decisions so I think she, in a way, she knew she had to choose Christian and she didn't want to choose this random person because she did want this safety, this, all of her needs, needs are met, this womb to consume her in the way that she wouldn't have if she chose to spare him and had him lingering around. I think the May celebration is all about fertility and its, and its roots and like harvest. So I think if she's even figureheading or spearheading that role, then she would have to be a sort of fertile figure, right? I don't know when we talked about this. In which episode, where we talked about the, oh, it was probably in Rosemary's Baby, the idea of fertility um, always framed within, like, the image of a white woman. And actually here we, like, it kind of circles back to that. I also feel like they're kind of setting us up to know that Pele and her are going to get together and that he's kind of chosen her as Mm. his, like, mate or his partner in this community (laughs) like when he kisses her and he's like Mm. always around her and hovering over her in a way that her boyfriend doesn't think is weird christian was checked out of that relationship even though he brought her on vacation with him it's really interesting if you contrast danny and christian's relationship to like the british couple that were there because they were so affectionate and they were so like attuned to each other but like she wouldn't find it hard to believe that if christian had left her there in the woods and i think she told him that like she was, he was like, well, do you think I would leave you? And she was like, yeah. But like the other girl knew for, without a shadow of doubt, that her boyfriend would never just leave her in the woods with all these random people. It doesn't seem like a situation that would take your mind off of everything going on. It seems like it would make it worse to like go visit this community that he lives with in the woods. That are like his surrogate family. I feel like it would just make it worse. I think I would be like, I'm just going to go like on a solo trip to a spa. What would you have done if you were in Danny's situation? I would I would not have joined the cult. No, that's the cop-out fucking answer. You're already drunk. I don't want to. Queen. You've got two options. Rando guy or your, your boyfriend. Who are you doing? Well, if I'm May Queen, I don't know. If, I, if they picked me, I'd stay. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> they picked me. I feel like it would be hard for me yeah, to, like, to choose the random guy. I, I literally just said I didn't understand why she chose Christian. But now I'm like, I feel like it would be really hard for me to choose a random person who I had no grievances with over my, my like, cheating, gaslighting boyfriend. If that person wanted to die, I had no qualms choosing them. If they, yeah. if they would have sacrificed themselves anyway, I think that would have been an easy choice. Our next film is an indie horror titled The Other Lamb. The film had its world premiere at the Toronto International Film Festival in 2019 and is set to be released on October 16th in the UK via movie. It is currently available in the US and Canada on streaming platforms. The film follows Sailor, a teen born into a cult, as she begins to question her existence and the cult leader, Shepard, after having terrifying visions. My wives, you all came to me broken, searching, hurt by 
cruel world that is more filled with pain every day. I took every one of you in. I protected you. I sacrificed my life for you. I gave you shelter. I gave you daughters and sisterhood and life. I feel like this movie is kind of like less of a cohesive story and more of like a character die. Because the entire time when I was watching it, I was kind of like, where is the plot? I mean, yes, but also I thought that the character's development was really lacking. Like for a movie that's based all in, I guess the char- I guess the character of the shepherd and then also the women, I found them really hard to empathize with and relate to it could have been the dialogue i found the dialogue to be really like stunted i was like when is this set like it was not set in fucking 1850 so why are we talking like it is like they weren't born into this cult so why are they talking funny i think for me why i love cult documentaries specifically is because of that like yo i would join a cult i would and the psychology of it actually isn't so far distant i think from a normal person's lived reality like it's not only crazy people who join cults it's normal people in the wrong circumstances and these people did not seem normal or relatable and i really really struggled one issue with the movie is that it kind of the depends on your knowledge of the biblical context of the names um and that like helps you figure out what's going on in the story but i think it's kind of dangerous to assume that your audience is like very aware of like Bible names and meanings and stories because like the lady, well, uh, the lady, <laughs> the lady named Sarah, who is the blonde lady who's been ousted by the community in the Bible. There's like the story of Sarah Abraham. She can't like have a child because she doesn't have strong enough faith in God. And she was childless until she was 90 years old because her faith wasn't strong enough when God promised he would bear her a son. Um, and so her maidservant bears a son before her and then starts to mistreat her because she looks down upon her for having, for not being able to have kids. And in the movie, it's kind of the same where they're like looking down on her and she can't have kids. And she went from being like the high up woman who was able to do whatever she wanted to like eating scraps in a shed. And then Shepard, uh, like... I'm thinking like in the Lord's Prayer where it says the Lord is my shepherd. Um, I think they're using him very strongly as a Christ figure with like the white Jesus look. And then Sela, of course, means like uh, forever or break in Psalms. And she's a person who like breaks free of the cult. And also like she's tied to the waterfall, which waterfalls don't have a beginning or end. So I think like it makes sense with that, but it's like a lot to assume that your audience either knows this information or wants to look it up. In a way, I think maybe the film doesn't so much rely on that like niche audience mm-hmm. knowledge. It's more that because the characterization fails, I agree with Zaber. Like I think it's pretty poor, and in terms of like a of cult psychology, and maybe if that was done well then the 
like biblical symbolism would just be like a sort of fun Easter egg. Yeah. You wouldn't have to rely on it then. Yeah, I felt yeah. like it was leaning too much on like, oh, if you look this up, the movie is like, wow. <laughs> but like without it, yeah, it's very yeah, it just film. felt yeah. very bare. And I feel like you can't really make a heavily allegorical film without like explaining things or making the characterization more clear. Like we knew Sarah was the outcast. Mm. She knew stuff about Stella's mom, but she doesn't ever really explain what happened to her. It's just like, you see she's ousted from society. And then when the lady dies in birth and she like takes the baby um, and she's like, no, I'm going to raise this as my own because I like can't have kids is like when you kind of like, Oh, if, if you know this biblical story, it kind of matches but it just, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. This movie just kind of disappointed me because I really, really wanted to love it. But I just felt like it was very, like, mm. skin and bones. Is it allegorical with a purpose? Because if the purpose is to say all religions or all people with a following have these, like, cult-like tendencies, it doesn't, I'm mm -hmm. not buying it because the man... The shepherd, if the Lord is my shepherd, the Lord has has presented to me miracles that I then have witnessed and believe in. And that's why I'm following him. This man gave no reason for having a following. And that's what, another reason where I was like, it doesn't add up like that you started this cult from scratch and have have presented no reason why you are a prophet or whatever. So I have like two-ish things. Like one is like, I feel like the cult only worked in the movie when they were like inside of the webs that he created and they show the webs as well, which I feel like is very symbolic of like the web of his lies that they have to be in to find this cult believable. And as they like get away from it, they start to doubt it, particularly like Sela and she starts to like question things. She gets her period. No one wants her to go like in the tent when he summons her because at that point they all dislike him. He starts doing like very corrupt things but I don't know if this is exactly what the movie was going for, but I kind of feel like it's almost a critique on religion in a modern world. I guess like when she starts to imagine like being in a car and listening to music, it's like when there's so many things that you can do without depending on, I guess, miracles. Is faith enough in the modern world? Is faith still relevant in the modern world? I felt like it was kind of questioning that. Because, like, they were in this bubble of, like, like you said, like, talking like it was the 1850s, dressing like it was the 1850s, not using anything modern where, like, they would be dependent on this man to give them guidance. But, like, outside of that, they wouldn't need it. So I feel like it was almost questioning, like, what is the role of religion in modern life? And is it still as relevant as it was when you were a lamb following someone because you needed their guidance? Listening to you describe that, now I'm like, actually, that makes a lot of sense. And watching the movie, I I totally didn't, like, expand out to society at all. I, I really just, I think I just saw it as, like, a sort of narrative of Sailor as a young girl. I mean, maybe it was, and maybe both things are true. Um, but I didn't I didn't feel any sort of critique of religion. And maybe that's just, like, again, the the sort of fault of the movie and not for not criticizing religion but just if that was the intention it didn't come very clearly or strongly I just I don't really feel like it did anything enough you know I feel like um they drove this metaphor to death and like they're just and just relied on it 
they kind of like introduced this metaphor, drove it to death, and it didn't really go anywhere beyond that. Like, you, everyone kind of knows like the shepherd and like whatever, and how that can be translated into a cult in general, like following the shepherd lambs. And then it just kept flashing back and forth, but I didn't really feel like there was much meaning to really deep dive into beyond that. But it was like very obvious the points, like when Sela and the uh, the ram are like confronted, and she's like challenging it, and it's like symbolic that she's challenging masculine authority. An allegory and like metaphor needs to have a double meaning, and this this film just didn't really ha- because it didn't have much of a plot. It just does not have that base that like makes you want to understand the hidden meaning metaphors it's it's very like can it even be a metaphor if it's like if there's no other meaning you know what i mean if it's all metaphor (laughs) yeah yeah one thing now that i'm thinking back is like we have so many scenes with the water and like the waterfall and how i said like sella's name meaning forever and everything coinciding with that and then Sarah's saying like when she wanted freedom she would go stand naked in front of the waterfall and at the end we have that scene of them all naked in the woods kind of like in the witch where they were dancing around naked when they had decided to become witches and with Sela being Shepard's favorite I'm wondering if we're supposed to see her almost as a fallen angel because at the end they're kind of gathering around her and following her up as a cult leader i thought it was very similar to like danny being the may queen at the end and like glaring into the camera but now i'm like i wonder if she's meant to represent a fallen angel almost but in the sense like shepherd is definitely not good enough to be god like he's definitely a horrible person (laughs) so so that would be a very weird metaphor as well (laughs) I'm really trying to save this movie um, with some analysis, but all of them are just falling short because I think the characterization is really poor, like you guys were saying. I almost feel like that her, like, becoming, like, them all surrounding her is almost like she's replaced him, and I felt like her challenging mm, yeah. the ram as well. So it's kind of like, did she end it, or did she just sub- overthrow and is now going to be it? I don't know. I mean, obviously, that's a far, like, she'd have to be, you know, corrupt and uh, sexually perverse to do that but yeah I, I don't know I, I I really don't have any many conclusions about this film because I don't feel like anything was really teased out to yeah. the to the level that I would have liked I don't think that they would have then followed her I well maybe I don't know if you like feel the need to, if you still feel lost and still feel like you need a leader maybe turning around and following somebody else is accurate but like when people stay in cults even even after looking around and seeing like uh sarah when she stayed and she's like why did you stay if you if you think this is all completely fucked up i think it's like the shame of like i cannot go back to the world and admit all the wild things i felt and all the wild things i did while under the influence of this cult like the shame of it is such that like people stay not because they believe it but because their ego won't let them admit that they had made such a horrible also like did sarah when we get to the scene where he like wants the women the older women the cult to like prove their loyalty to him so he drowns them all in the lake and it's like oh it's time for you guys to be like my wife now you're not like my little lambs anymore did this happen previously with stella's mom and sarah knew and that's why she's like oh no that's not how like everything went like has he done this multiple times or did he decide to do it this time because he didn't have enough resources or anything like how many times has he cycled through women where's he getting these women from because 
someone had to come into the cult who was not born into the cult. Like, then Sela and all the younger girls were born there. But, like, where is he getting these adult women from? Because he's not that I think old. that um, Sela's mom was, I think, part of, like, the first generation. So I don't think he'd, like, murdered wives before. I think this was the first turnover. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? So his daughters become his wives. Um, because Sela's mom died in... Uh, from childbirth complications. I think they said, yeah, they said she wasn't he, he wouldn't take her to the hospital, which is, I think that's where I got, like, the, yeah, yeah, exactly. the modernity versus religion thing, because, like, uh, yeah, there's so yeah. many things of, like, I remember, like, I grew up in the South, and so people would literally be at my church and be like, oh, um, if I say I don't, if I don't claim that I have, like, this illness, then I don't have it, and, like, God is going to heal me. Mm. And then there was, like, those very extreme Christian people who were like, I can go outside and go to church during coronavirus because, like, God won't let me get corona. And then he was, like, not taking Stella's mom to the hospital, and he let the lady deliver her baby and die in labor because he was like, if you just believe in me, like, it's enough, and you're not going to die, you're going to get better. Yeah, yeah. So I felt like that was also, like, a thing where it was like, is faith enough when you can go to a hospital and safely deliver this baby (laughs) or get some antibiotics to cure the infection that you got from pregnancy when there are things that can prevent things from happening? Is it enough just to believe that it won't happen? Can we talk about the one man a million women thing Mm. like midsummer just i feel like happened to have more women i'm still unclear on why that was the case or anything like that but in the end i thought they were trying to argue that this could be a matriarchy and i am bowled over by the idea and i'm sure i'm absolutely sure there are cults like this but the idea of like yo, y'all outnumber him and this isn't a matriarchy. Like one drop of man in the pool of this cult is stopping it from being a matriarchy. That's what tells me that like, the fact that y'all live separate from society does not mean you live separate from patriarchy. Like the fact that you're in the woods did not separate you from being brainwashed in that very particular way and also the way that they police Mm -hmm. each other and that is a a trait that I have only seen women do and like maybe I'm wrong but in my life I have never seen men step to each other and correct each other and like put each other in line when they're all subordinates like men don't do that to each other and it it makes me really bummed out that they didn't overthrow him yeah also like when he beat that woman down when she was like how much longer and he like beat the fuck out of her in front of them and they all were like that's terrible okay there's no way they would just go along with it like it really does seem odd especially since there were people there who had started to like doubt him and dislike him at that point it just seemed absolutely wild that they would be like okay you're right i think maybe it's kind of their cult psychology here is just kind of backwards because if anything the young ones would not know to challenge him because they've been groomed from birth And it would be the older ones who would challenge him. But the older ones are actually the most faithful, but they should be the most attached to society and still have like their past lives influencing their potential ability to see his corruption and see him for what he is, which is just a crazy pedophile, to be honest. But (laughs) yeah, so I think it's just kind of maybe that's partly why it also doesn't make sense to me, because the the turn of the young children was so dramatic. I was like, but would they all kill their father like that? I don't think that they would have suddenly become. I I get, like, one deviant child and, like, that being the plot center, but I just feel like it was all so sudden for the rest of them. I was just like, nah. Yeah, I feel like not to 
oversimplify their, I know, I think the film has already oversimplified their psychology, but it almost felt like to me, like this group of women were portrayed as like, I don't know, they were all suffering from deeply Freudian daddy issues. And that is why they were all staying and just remaining loyal to this absolute asshole. Because actually there wasn't any further, I don't know, attempts to really distinguish their psychologies, like women to women, but also make it believable. So like, why the, why are they so attached to this this man who actually really isn't that charismatic and doesn't offer much um, in, in terms of what we normally see in like a cult figure? He's just, an, he's just a dick. I would say going along with trying to work with this modernity theory, it would make sense if the, like the youth and the younger people in this cult were the ones who question it because they're going to be the ones most curious about the world. And everyone else left the modern world and the outside for some significant reason to follow this man, even if he isn't charismatic. So it could we never get their backstory and I think like as Zay was saying if we knew like that these people were broken or they didn't have families or they used to have like some sort of addiction and something that would make them grasp onto him it would really make a lot more sense because as of now we just see like these adult women following him while the younger people are like less subservient to him and less into his politics and policing of stuff even though there is that one girl like who does question Stella like at the beginning when she says something back and she's like you can't say that to a wife we definitely see like the older women are like a lot more devout even so that like they had to sit there and watch him drown them and none of them fought back Otherwise, one of them would have got away because he had to drown them one by one. True. Yeah. Why didn't, didn't anyone bite his fingers yeah. off? What? What? He's always sticking his fingers oh, yeah. in their oh. mouth. Oh, I, had a... I guess because they, I think it was just a power Yeah, play, I think it was a power they play. didn't feel like they had the power to. But it's like he like wanted to control like their breathing and like restrict what they could do even in sex. Like just, ugh. And like when Stella's like gasping when he puts his finger. Also, biting fingers is hard to do. Is it? <laughs> I, I mean, I, mentally hard oh. to bite a finger off. I thought you meant to Are just bite the like, finger. Why? I was like, why? <laughs> but if it's if it's a castration anxiety point, like yeah, yeah, yeah. if a dick's in your mouth, you can bite it off. That's what they teach yeah. you in self defense class. Is it? Yeah. At least in my self-defense class. I don't know about y'all. I saw that you put, put like, why is he trying to reenact the Poppy Pacify video? And I literally laughed for, like, five minutes. <laughs> Part of me thought that the the way it was so loosely put together and the, yeah, the, the sort of overkill with symbolism, was it perhaps her commenting on, like, how... I, this comes back to Ty's point about, like, the role of faith in modern society... Was it trying to really forefront the weak argument of cult psychology? No, I'm no. Then there's like, as I was saying, like how the older woman had to sit there and let them drown them, him drown them one by one. There's like also the fact that like when he was like baptizing Stella for too long and then the other girl started to freak out and then they eventually killed him like in that scene. Wait, what? When what? he was like, he was like, oh, your mothers are like, um, they're done. 
because the girl's like crying and screaming like where's my mom and then he's but that's not the same it's like scene. within the same scene and then he starts baptizing them no 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 yeah. the baptism happens first and then so that that's the the scene of them like biting him hitting him his head with a rock that's a flash forward before but then the baptism scene is before that occurs if that no. makes sense <laughs> but, but yeah no yes there are yeah I, I think the flash flash forwards and she has like a weird psychic ability because of her period and i think that's confusing the chronolo- chronology of things it low-key made me think of remember when Kay said that in our throwback to episode one of the monstrous feminine when we interviewed Kay and she said that she had um every time she has a nightmare she knows that she's gonna get her period or something Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, I low-key liked that psychic connection between periods and, like, her psychic, uh, her ability to predict this future. However, I do think that also confused the chronology. Uh, and yeah. also, I, I did not that. remember which happened I first. So. I'm going to take Mila's word for it. But, like, even when he's, like, holding her under it's the true. water too long, like, the younger girls around her are like, why are you holding her under the water that long? And she's, like, resisting. I just, I'm still just sitting here trying to grasp the fact that they had to sit there and watch him drown the other people and be like, my turn. Like, it's just, it's very hard to grasp that they would do that because as we've been saying, he had no charisma. He had no real skills. He wasn't guiding them, like, really anywhere. He was just walking around aimlessly. He, like, let that lady die. And then he went to kill the baby because he said there could only be one man. Like, just nothing about it seemed like it it's the same... It's the same kind of psychology as, like, what happened at Jonestown. Like, yes, he was definitely more charismatic and was promising them something more. But, like, all them people drank the Kool-Aid after watching other people, like, foam at the mouth and die. You know? And, like, there were certain amounts of people who did try to run away. They got shot. They got shot by other cult members as they were trying to run away. Like, those things do happen where you, like, watch someone die and go, my turn. It's happened. It's just this man was, was no... I think a you lot know, of it, Jones. to me, none of it's about necessarily cult, just, well, I guess it is cult, but I mean, it's more just about, like, he's a pedophile and he's groomed them or something like that. Well, like he didn't that. groom it's the adults, the grooming though. process. I feel like almost... No, 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 I'm talking about... He did. He, uh, he did, because I, I mean, like, he got them when he was, they were younger, and I, they were, like, they made so many references to, like, age and youth, and they were like, remember when he used to treat us like that? He, when he's having sex with them, he's like... He tells them you are perfect, you are accepted. So he's obviously, like, using sex as a way to gaslight the new recruits. And I, I'm guessing it's while they're, like, teenagers and they're young. The I, issue is this man is not old enough for what they're trying to say he's dying. <laughs> yeah, again, that was the other thing that really weirded me. Because I was like, but he's not old. So I don't know how this happened. Like, he was grooming them when he was their peer. I don't get it. How would that work? You'd have to, he'd have to be like double the age. He needed to be like 50s or 60s and they had him at like maybe early 40s. Yeah, it was just like. Jared Leto did I don't get it. But I think grooming, it doesn't, it's not necessarily about a significant age gap. Mm -hmm. I think it's also like positions of power. And he'd obviously established this. But if you, no, he, he must have already established this like, I don't know, false sense of Christhood. And then recruited these women. It's not like he met them and he was like, "We need that backstory so I'm that Christ. this makes sense." Otherwise, it looks like they just went out with their agent said, "He gonna be Jesus." Like th- that's what it looks like. 
I felt like this movie, um, did anyone else think it was, like, strange that the cops seemed to, like, warn Shepard that basically it wasn't safe to be there anymore? Maybe they were going to, like, come bust him down? So he had some connection to the outside world, and Stella saw that, but it's, like, patriarchy helping patriarchy to keep women subservient, because he basically, like, tips him off, like, take your... (laughs) <laughs> take your um take your horde of women somewhere else and find a new home because someone's gonna come bust you but he doesn't yeah. arrest him and he doesn't give him a citation he basically just tells him to go somewhere else i thought he was just um giving him a warning as in not a uh a tip as in going there being like you can't do this but even in that case like he still was breaking so many laws that, like, there should have been some sort of altercation, but they have a very civil conversation. They, like, shake hands and, like, it's it's very civil. There's no yeah. anger or anything. It just seems more like he told him to leave. And we don't it's hear just, that conversation yeah. as a viewer. We just can only assume what happened because mm. next thing he knows, he's like, oh, it's not safe here anymore. We have to go find a new homeland. And I'm going to take us to Eden. It'll be even better than before. It's definitely, like, the police turning... A blind eye, and especially then, about like, that right. male police officer. Yeah, mm-hmm. a group of women being abused. You guys need to move along. <laughs> he said, "Keep it out of my jurisdiction." Not in my he jurisdiction. Said, as long as you don't do it here, where I have to do something about it. You're fine. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, and also there would have been bodies if he had bothered to look. Yeah. You think that because you haven't had your time yet, that makes you special? Prepare yourself, child. Our great shepherd won't be so sweet on you then. In the first episode, we talked about the Carrie first period scene. Should we compare that to Sailors? Oh, yeah. Very, I, I actually really liked that scene. Okay, I sort of thought that she was the lamb. That's how I understood it. Um, so when this lamb, uh, she's supposed to be overseeing this sheep giving birth falls asleep it's it's unclear whether any of this happened how much she imagines hallucinates but then the lamb is eaten by a wolf but then is alive and just sort of like skinned and the lamb is sort of um crying and looking it turns to look at her and i think there's like a sort of fear there where she started her period sarah warned her about starting her period and there's this like uncanniness with her i think being confronted with her womanhood which has she's been told because when they bleed they go and they have to yeah, uh, like separate themselves it's the initiation That's why it's of a bad your thing. your pedophilic thing. journey with but the only thing that i thought was like in carrie when everyone was like saying ill like it's disgusting that you have your period it made sense because she was like smearing her hands on people <laughs> but in this movie like when they all do it for the younger girls who hadn't had their period it made sense but for the adult women to like join in on it it kind of went with, like, Zaba was saying, like, they're also, like, policing her body and making her into, like, a spectacle, mm. even though they know she's not some evil object just because she got her period. And it's completely normal, and it already happened to them. They're like, she's evil-spirited. The evil is in her because she's got her period. Women with, that aren't in a cult, like, just in society, will have a lot of shame about their period, you know? Like across like so many different cultures so i don't i don't think that that's so hard to grasp for me that they would regurgitate those harmful patriarchal values you know if the highest thing they can be in the cult is a wife and like they want to be as close to the shepherd as possible then why would they be Mm. 
why won't there be shame about getting to the level where you can be intimate with him? I was confused. It just seemed like they all, and then like when she's going to the tent with him, they're like, don't go to the tent. And I'm like, do you hate him or do you want to be with him? Like that line was very unclear because by then, like when they tell her that like they're supposed to dislike him and it seems like they're against him, but then they very, they go the next day and let him drown them. It, Again, it's just like it just doesn't really make a lot of sense the way that things happen. I think a lot of it had to do with fear. I think they 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 worshipped him, but I think they were also afraid of him. And I think also like the way that the sexual encounters happened were absolutely like without consent. And I, I had this question in my notes about like what is consent in a brainwashed society because like they wouldn't even think about saying no. So every encounter they had with him one-on-one in private was completely fear-based i think they would have the understanding to say i don't want somebody else to go through that experience but not the self-awareness to be like i have agency to give consent or not because like i think to them like oh what an honor it is to be chosen i'm confused in the sense that they should all be like envious that she got her period and that she can be close to him in the same sense i think that was because um they were saying he because he said if you you have to have sex with me to get clean again once you've gotten your period so i think they're like saying they they're like horrified that she got it because it means that she's now currently unclean and she needs to immediately go get baptized by him which is why there's like this weird ambiguity about whether they want her to have her period or not and then it's also yeah. like once she does get baptized, then she becomes their competitor. So they also don't really want that. So it's like they want her to be clean, but then she's going to like be another wife. to <laughs> Not like... too clean. Yeah. It, again, it's all very confused and I don't feel like anyone's at fault for not really yeah. getting it because the psychology is kind of all over the place. I think that they overdid like the metaphors and the attempts at allegory so much that they forgot to put a plot in the movie. There was a lot of things. There were, It was as if, like, someone wanted to make a movie and they knew that they wanted some specific scenes and metaphors to be made, but they never hashed out a plot. And so it was, like, a bunch of scenes put together that didn't necessarily make sense. So we have, like, a scene of, like, them being afraid of him and not wanting her to do this. And then another scene of them being competitive because they all want to be wives. And then another scene of them policing each other. And another scene of them crying and being like, oh, you're my shepherd. I love you so much. I want to be in your light. And screaming and falling on the floor. And, like, if he touches them, they start crying harder. Like, it's just like they wanted a bunch of scenes to indicate something, but they never got to what they wanted to indicate. And it's not like the scenes are shot badly or the acting is bad. It's just the plot is not there and the characterization is very poor. Yeah, this this it was a beautiful movie and I loved the way it was shot, but style and no substance. It was very, 100%. yeah. It was like, I was watching it with my flatmate and we were just like, God, when's it going to happen? Like we were looking, we were like, okay, <laughs> we're like, all right, all right, all right. And then I looked and I was like, hey, it's really short. It's like only like an hour and a half. And I was like watching, watching, yeah. and I was just like, okay, we got to be approaching there. And then it was like 10 minutes left, and I was like, we haven't even overthrown him yet. Like, when, when is – it was like it building rushed and building the end and building so and much. then to nothing. Yeah. And like no epilogue. And I was just like, oh. <laughs> it was just slow. It was just slow the whole way through. And I was just like, oh. And not even like in an art house enjoyable way that it might be slow, but just slow in the sense that like what made sense here? 
it's like it it also wanted to be a period piece and wasn't like <laughs> there's so many it was weird stylistic things piece. just thrown in there <laughs> oh it was a period <laughs> <laughs> well guys that was great i had so much fun talking about cults with you and we hope you all enjoyed thank you for listening to the monstrous feminine be sure to follow us on instagram soundcloud and spotify at the monstrous feminine podcast and on twitter at the mon film pie subscribe to our youtube channel and rate us and review us on apple Podcasts to be our next witch of the week brooms up witches out